Moltool is the official sponsor of the Grease and Glamour podcast. Established in 1853, Moltool has grown to become a recognized leader in lubricant technology. Racing teams around the world have trusted Moltool to deliver the endurance and performance needed to compete at the highest level. Even if you're not racing on the track, Moltool's full range of synthetic lubricants will protect your engine against wear and tear of your daily commute. Stop by Universal Imports to purchase Moltool's line of products today. Turn that music off, and we're gonna play something different. Oh, couldn't wait to do this all day long. <laughs> well, okay. Welcome back to the Grease and Glamour podcast. I am Mark Fierbacher, your host. I'm here today with Aaron Kane and with Ray Amy. And um, well, I figured I had to really, really come back with something amazing. We've been gone for six months. Uh, with the pandemic, we decided to just sort of not try the Zoom thing. We, we had tried it. It didn't work that great. Um, and we said, we'll just take a break. So what do we come back with big? Well, how about somebody who's here in studio with us, who's uh, in the Songwriting Hall of Fame, the Rochester Music Hall of Fame, uh, has sold know, 100 million records, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood is a three-time Grammy nominee, has somewhere like 50 hit singles uh, with classics such as Jukebox Hero and the number one song, uh, I Want to Know What Love Is, uh, Waiting for a Girl Like You. Uh, and then uh, he was in the band, a little-known band named Foreigner, uh, and then went on to do an amazing solo career with songs like Midnight Blue and Between You and Me. Bottom line, if you wrote it or sang it, You've probably heard it. Mr. Lou Graham in studio. Welcome, Lou. Welcome. an introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> well deserved. Yes. Well, uh, Lou Graham, hands down one of the best voices in rock music, and we are fortunate enough to have you here to talk about cars and music, two of my favorite things, and I think probably two of your favorite things Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. <laughs> in, in that order. In that order. Cars <laughs> and music. Nice. Um, so... You know, everybody in Rochester knows that uh, it's not a car show in Rochester unless Lou Graham's walking around. Uh, do you have your cars in the shows, or are you more there as a spectator? Uh, uh, if it's if it's a show that's going to be judged, uh, I don't do that in, in, in town at all. Uh, but if it's just a cruise night, I bring a car. Okay, nice. yeah. Yeah. So, what are your favorite? What what are their favorites? Do you have favorite cruise nights? Um, this past year, because things were so odd <laughs> with the epidemic and everything, my my favorites were not were not showing. Uh, Shriners on Bay Road, I I really like a lot. Okay. Um, so I know there's there's one uh, out here in Macedon at the log cabin. Yes, the log cabin's great. Yep. Uh, food's not I'm bad. Sorry, either. I can't remember the one <laughs> I'm right. thinking of. Well, let, well, let's talk about your cars, though. If we can okay. talk about your collection well, a little now bit. Now that I can remember. All right, here we go. What start? Let's start with your favorite down to your least favorite. <laughs> you know, I, I've been asked that a few times. I, I, I can't choose favorites because they're like kids. Now, now, which one of your kids is your favorite? Right. right. Depends on the day, right? Yes. <laughs> it depends on which one's in the room. So I'll, I'll start from, uh, from the, the ones, the, the first ones that I bought. So in 19, a little story that goes with it, or you just want the cars? Oh, no. Tell, roll with it. Uh, 1992, I was um, in Los Angeles working with Foreigner on... on uh, a couple new songs, and uh, I, I saw I saw that I had the uh, Auto Trader, and I, I saw that there was a 1965 442. All it said was 65 442 3500, and I thought to myself, 3500. Oh God, what's this look like? <laughs> you know? But I called I called the the person. And uh, it turned out that it was his mother's car. She bought the car 
at the end of 1965, she, she wanted to buy a Cutlass, and the guy sold her an automatic on the column power steering 442. And I don't think she, I don't think she knew any better. But she had the car for over 30 years. She put only 30,000 miles on it. And uh, she was backing out of the garage one day and, and scratched the rear quarter uh, on the, the door rail, the overhead door rail. And when she heard it scratch, she, she put it in park, got out of the car, saw that it was scratched, turned the car off, and wouldn't drive anymore. <laughs> wow. So she gave the car to her son, which, which I find incredible, but he didn't want it. Wow. So he's the one who put the ad in for $3,500. Oh. And, and uh, I called him, and I met him at a gas station on the way to the airport. I was going home to, to Rochester. Uh, a friend of mine from Rochester who lives in California was driving me to the airport, and we... I told him about the car, so we, we stopped. The guy met us at a gas station. And I looked at the car, and I, I saw the little scratch. But the, the rest of the car, the body was perfect. The interior had a, had a crack in the seat right on the seam. Um, I checked the mileage out, and it was 31500 mm. And uh, I checked the undersides and the motor, and, and the trunk. And I was going to try and lowball them, but I thought, <laughs> I thought, you know, you could lose a good car by doing that. Even if you lowball them and then, and then uh, try to, to buy it closer I've, to the price, he might not want to deal I've with you I've seen that happen before, yep. yeah. Yep. So I gave him what he was asking for, which was 30, 30, I think it was thirty. I think it was thirty-five hundred. And uh, he let us take the car on his plates to my friend's house, who was only about five miles away. Drop the car off and bring him back his plates. Now, this was in California. This was in California, and uh, so then my friend continued to take me to the airport, and and by the time I got back to Rochester, he already had a had a trailer picking the our truck picking the car up the next day wow so um it it got home about five days later and uh the destination that it, the drop-off was at a friend's friend's place and right across right across the, at his office at the right across the street from that was 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 a uh automotive repair shop uh, uh body shop yep that i had worked on before on and they, they did really good work so when they saw the car come off the come off the trailer, um, I brought it over there and and showed him a couple scratches, the scratch on the rear quarter, and uh, as it turned out, the the guy who rode the truck, who drove the truck, was getting the a car off that was on a higher level than my car, mm -hmm. and stood on the hood oh. near, near the front oh. windshield. And put two dents in it. And, and, <laughs> and well, well, here's the thing: he he uh, made me he made me see the sheet of paper if there was anything wrong with the car. Right. And I hadn't seen the dents yet, so I wrote that everything was good on it. And then when he left, I saw the dents. So I, I called the the truck company, and he says, "Too bad." Well, you and I could definitely share horror stories when it comes to cars. Yep. And, and so I didn't know what to do with that back in, in 91. Sure. And, and um, I drove it like that for 20-some years, more than that. And, and then just last year... Uh, a friend of mine, a friend, another friend of mine who does body work says, hey, didn't you ever hear of the dent doctor? He's going to be here today. I said, can I bring my 442 down? He says, yeah. So he took the 442 down. He pulled, pulled gently pulled down the, the, um, the, the roof yep. Um, yep. material near the front of the car and, and massaged out the dents. And then put the roof material back. You you can you can't see that it was ever. Wow. Well, as you and I think you stated this before. Uh, I don't know where I read it or heard it, but uh, 
that you really like to try to keep the paint as original as possible. So and it's it, and it's it's ninety five percent original. Yeah, wow. that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really great. You know, I, I did hear um, this interesting story. So we had a before we took our little break, we uh, had Mario Andretti on, and he had shared this funny anecdote with us that he was out in California driving with a friend, and they were going a little too fast, and they were pulled over by the police. And uh, the police officer actually said to them, you're driving like Mario Andretti. And Mario Andretti pulled out his license and said, well, I am Mario Andretti. So they had a chuckle about it. Needless to say, I don't think he was ticketed. But I, it reminded me of a story I had heard uh, about you a while ago. I think I read it in one of the publications that you had a car that you sold and then later on re- regretted selling it and bought it back yes uh the the second car in my collection that i bought was a 1965 gto and i bought it in arizona from from this this older gentleman he had to be in his early 80s and he and his friend back in the 60s raced that car at at a drag strip in la it's an la county drag strip or something i can't i can't remember what it is but it's a big big yeah. famous drag strip and um, his friend owned the car but but they were partners in racing it and his after after 25 or 30 years his friend passed away from cancer and his, his friend's wife gave him the car so he'd been driving it around as as just a driver for another 10 years and and was going to buy some property and decided to put it for put the car for sale and um, I, I had a friend in 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 Phoenix at a, a place called Chevs and Vets, and uh, he uh, agreed to to meet me there with the car, and we put the car up on the lift and really gave it a once over. And I again, I was going to try and knock the price down, but the price was was 125. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, you know, my brain went to this automatically when I thought about the story going, you know, the the guy probably wanted a lot more money and you would have said, "Well, why do you want so much more?" He goes, "Sir, this car was owned by Lou Graham from <laughs> <laughs> So 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 I bought the car. I I I've had it and I had it until 2009 and and um, by then I had about seven or eight cars. We won't go through all those stories, believe me. But, but um, I, 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 you know, it's it's difficult to maintain them when you don't have professional somebody working mm-hmm. with you to sure. to keep them sure. all running good and all the brakes right. And well, I do want to ask you. So you you did spend some time living out in California, right, in L.A. Uh, uh, just when we were recording out there. Uh, so. I know, you know, when you listen to Rev on the Red Line, you did some drag racing uh, down Lake Avenue. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you ever get a chance to drag in the uh, aqueducts in L.A.? You know, you always see the movies, like, uh, I think of Greece, you know, with uh, them uh, driving in the, uh, I think it's an aqueduct where, where they everybody uh, drives. I, I never did, but, but uh, I remember renting in 1979 while we were recording Head Games, uh, I rented a '79 Z28 and uh, and 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 uh, went out at night looking looking for a race, and I found a few. Yeah, hmm. I'm sure. I, I think yeah. it was San Bernardino Drive. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I would imagine it, they're easier to find out there than here, probably. Oh, definitely, <laughs> but but you know that that's that's from driving uh, three or four days for two or three hours each day at night after we got out of the studio. And so for those three or four days, I found two races, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> things are not like they used to be. No, not at all, no. Can we talk about Rev on the Red Line? Is that a, is that a song written from personal experience? Or, yes. So uh, was that early days? It was the early days. Uh, I, was in, I was in Black Sheep yep. then, but it, but it was still four or five years before Foreigner. And uh, I had... I was fortunate enough to, to find in the city a gentleman who had a 69 Nova Supersport, 396, 375 horse, turbo 400 automatic with a 
with a, uh, a stall speed of, I think, 30, 32 or 3,300. So, so that means it would shift there on its own if it was left in drive. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a beautiful car. I think it had 12,000 miles on it. I think I paid twenty four, twenty five hundred dollars for it. That's 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 what things were going for yeah, back back, sure. back in the early seventies. <laughs> you know, that's when I bought it, and and I would race up and down Lake Avenue, and and uh, I rarely lost in that car. So that that was the one car. That was the car that you that's the car I was the, riding about. Yes. Okay, so did it truly have uh, four hundred horses tucked under the hood? Uh, it was. It was. 396, 375 horses, but it was a factory blueprint car, so it probably had a little over 400. Nice. Okay, yeah, so you, you can't rhyme much with anything other than uh, a, a solid, even number like 400. <laughs> so when, when is the last time you were on Lake Avenue uh, revving the red line? The last time I was on Lake Avenue, uh, uh, I was at Lake Avenue and, and Ridgeway. And I came up against... A 1970 Corvette uh, 427, and we, I, I was on the inside, he was on the outside, and we took off, and I had him by a little bit, and he started creeping up on me, and then there was someone in his lane, it looked like a an old station wagon with boxes piled so high in the back that I, I knew they didn't <laughs> see us coming. And, and I was starting to, to gain on him again. And, and that person in his lane suddenly just made a right-hand turn into a driveway. And, and when he was clear, he kept on going. And I hit, I hit the back of the car. Ooh. And it, <laughs> it drove me into two parked cars. Wow. Oh. Well, Ray has a Ford Maverick. So a 73 Maverick with a grabber. A grabber? With no, a not a grabber though, but it's got a 347 stroker in oh. it. So I'm pushing about 440 horsepower wow. out of it. Yeah. So he wants to take see that out to cruise nights? I do, but I am down on the uh, I'm down in Pavilion, a little tiny town south of Leroy. So I always hit the stuff in Brockport and uh, okay. Batavia, that area. They had some great American graffiti cruises. Wow. This year because they didn't have you know, because of COVID, they didn't have all the meetups going on. So right. all these pop-ups. So I did a couple of those and those are really neat. So people were literally just cruising up and down the road instead of sitting in a parking lot yep. in the towns. And that was a uh, very, very neat to, um, fortunately I went home that night. We hit a deer with the Maverick and um, <laughs> now it's got to be repaired this spring, but she'll be back out. So That's good. yeah. That's good. Well, I'll tell you, you know, people here uh, know us as for European cars. We do a lot with vintage Porsches and, that sort of thing. And so people would say that my favorite car is probably an air-cooled, you know, late 70s Porsche 911, which it is. But my close second, which my my mother wouldn't even know this, is a 77 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, Smokey and the Bandit, yep. Burt Reynolds, all the way. Uh, so I'm in your camp with the, uh, nice. with the GMs. Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Although Ray's car is pretty snazzy oh, i will say he almost killed me in it uh, oh that was fun <laughs> in uh, 1979 after we came home from touring the head games album i i uh, drove into manhattan and uh parked my car and went into manhattan porsche audi and and this sorry this is the end of 78 and ordered a 1979 930 turbo porsche mm. It was petrol blue Ugh. with solid black interior. E even the top, inside top, which is usually white, I had it black. And uh, it came after, I think it. I waited about three months for it. Well, every rock star in the late 70s had to have a 911 or, or some sort of Porsche at that. It seemed like that it had to be in the arsenal somewhere, right? <laughs> and, and so it was a beautiful, beautiful car, and it was... Wicked, wicked fast. Yeah, and I changed the oil when I was supposed to. I brought brought it. There was a there was. I lived in uh, Westchester in a in a in a town called Katona, right near White Plains. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I'd go across the Connecticut line. That was the closest Porsche dealer, and and had the oil changed there. And I I'd go across the street to a diner, and uh, that car was was so beautiful, and. 
Well, those old air-cooled Porsches now are skyrocketing in price. Uh, I, I, I get Hemmings, and I see my car in the back of Hemmings going for the mid-200,000. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's, we actually have three that we are doing in various stages of rebuilds out there right now. And uh, I tell the customer, of course, it sounds like a sales job, but I say, don't even bat an eye as to how much this costs because it'll come back to you. This, the, the air-cooled era is something that won't go away. They'll always be, and the longer that span is from when they were to now, is, is, that car is going to get more expensive. So I owned that car 19 years, and you know why I sold it? Because of my family, I moved from Katona back to Rochester. And the streets were so bad, as they still are in Rochester, I was afraid I was going to spring the frame. Yeah, mm. right. You know that? <laughs> yeah. I was afraid I was going to bend the frame and render that car as a yeah. piece of junk. Yeah, useless, yeah. So, wow. so I sold it, and you know what I got for it? 41000 Wow. At, at an auction. <laughs> I paid forty-four, and I got forty-one, and I thought I did good. Yeah. And, and, and they were still bringing that kind of money back, back in the late 80s. Sure. And... and it's just over the past 10 or 15 years that they've gone through the but, roof. But, you know, it's so hit and miss with all cars. I mean, you know, and with European cars, sometimes it's so polarizing because you can take just a few years later when Porsche came out with the 928s, which oh, yeah. were very powerful cars, yep. but they just did nothing. They People paid a fortune for them new, 60, 70 grand back then, and they were worth half of that three years later. I, I see ads for them, and, and it's low mileage, blah, 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 this and that, and, and it's in the high teens. You can buy them for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you really can. <laughs> so, um, well, let's. Uh, I'd like to sort of uh, segue a little bit into music for a minute and say that, you know, in Rev on the Red Line, you talk about you're winning the race, gets the girl. But I would guess... At becoming a rock star <laughs> gets more girls. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit, huh? <laughs> um, you know, uh, musicians in Rochester, people that like rock and roll music from Rochester, Ray and I, of course, uh, we, we are musicians. We're in a local band, and we know all about Black Sheep. In fact, we know one of your band, former band members, Donnie Mancuso, yes. quite well. Um, Shout out to Donnie. Yeah, yeah. yeah Donnie's a great, hey, Don. He's a great guy. <laughs> And uh, how do you how do you go from from being in Black Sheep, which was a successful local band, but you know you're just doing the pretty much the local music thing, and then you are next thing you know you're an arena rock sensation. Like, how, if could you take us through that a little bit? Well, uh, Black Sheep had been together about three or four years, and we got an offer. Uh, we, we uh, sent in a, a demo to Chrysalis Records. That's a, that's a European label. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to sign us because they were making the move from Europe and s establishing their first base in New York and then California and some other places. So they signed us to a single. Okay. Uh, so we recorded the single and the flip side. So we recorded two songs for them. And we're waiting for them to release it and waiting and waiting. And uh, they finally released it. And, and uh, they didn't even, they, in the States, they didn't even have a, a promotion department to, to push the song, make sure it was getting airplay and, and, and that there were records in the stores and stuff. They had none of that. So, so it got local airplay in Western New York. And that was the end of it. And... Uh, and then we played at a place called uh, Westminster Park Inn, which became Fantasy Swings. Do you remember that at all? No. Yeah, it was right down East River Road. Okay. And, uh, well, we, we, we ended up playing the Auditorium Theater with, with Procol Harem. Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And they were on... They were on um, Oh, that's right. They were on Chrysalis Records. We, we uh, I'm, I'm talking about, we, we uh, played, I'm trying to think who we played with in Syracuse that was on Capitol Records. 
and we op- we I think we opened for Aerosmith then. Uh-huh. And a guy from Capitol Records was there and and heard about the band and heard the singles and knew that that we asked, we we asked off of Chrysalis Records because I we knew they weren't going to help us. And and uh, we got signed to Capitol Records within within the next two weeks and then went to to New York the record plant and recorded our first album. Oh. And there's three or four studios within one studio at the record plant. There's Studio A, Studio B, Studio C. So we were in Studio B and in Studio C right next to us was John Lennon. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Well, that was going to be one of my questions for you is that, you know, Ray, Aaron, and myself, uh, and to, I'll, I, I could keep my cool and not admit this, but you know, we were kind of giddy school children knowing that we're going to get a chance to talk to Lou Graham. So there has to be those people that uh, you felt that way about. And I mean, I, I'm guessing John Lennon could be up there on that list. Boy, he's, he's at the top <laughs> of the got to be at the top, yeah. You've played with uh, some of the Beatles before, haven't you? Yes. Uh played with Ringo and um, I think that's uh, as far as the Beatles go I think that's about it yeah R- Ringo does his all-star band that's uh, the, I, s- I sat in with them yeah that's great for a couple songs awesome. when they were at Canada and you know you'd be remiss if we didn't talk about all the stuff is in your book jukebox hero oh, yeah. folks don't have it yeah by the way yes th- this is really uh, one of the things I wanted to uh, tell our listeners is that there's this really wonderful book right now I've just bought out Barnes and Noble but they promised me they're restocking um, <laughs> and it's available uh, online and, right? and it's a steady sell I mean they said man there's so many people come in and buy this book it's a very steady sell it's funny that the the lady commented on that she saw I had three of them in my hand she said can I ask what you're doing with three of the same book? I said, well, it just so happens. Um, but uh, the book is actually now, uh, it's kind of a re-release. It was written in 2013, um, and then you added a few things. Added, added uh, I think, two chapters. Can you, uh, what compelled you to want to add to it? Uh, you know, what did you feel it was uh, I, missing? I think that uh, where where we left the original book, there were some unfinished things, and and um, I think uh, when we put the extra chapters in, that's that's when uh, Mick and I patched up our our personal differences, mm-hmm. and and uh, we received the uh, the the uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame Hall award. Of Fame, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, and I know we're we're all waiting for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to uh, acknowledge you, which sh- should be any minute. But I I think it will happen. I I know that I I don't think that the reason why we're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is music. I think it's it's personal and it's politics. Well, Isn't you hear that, that way, yeah. you hear that from a lot of bands. I mean, there's a lot of bands that deserve to be in there yes, that are not. So, yep. um, okay, so uh, now we're. Uh, uh, losing my train of thought here. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a quick question. So the book, did you always want to write a book or is it something that kind of happened? It kind of happened. Uh, j- just, I think it was just from me telling stories o- o- mm-hmm. over, over dinner or over coffee or something, you know. I've had so many people say, you know what? You should write a book. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, you know. But I started hearing that from a lot of people, and then, and then when I met Scott Petoniak, yep, he 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 says, "Listen to me, serious. I know you've heard this before, but seriously, you and I should write a book. It's a good read. It's an easy read. It's it's got a lot of great information. It's a very honest book. Um, so I, I don't want to really get too much into." talking about Forner and the history. Everybody knows that, and they can find out about it when they read the book. But I do have a question when it comes to you, Mick, and cars. So Mick being from England, was he into the British cars at all? I mean, did you guys ever have a little fun uh, car rivalry? or uh, not, not so much. He, he had a, in, in, um, in Manhattan, I think he had, he had a, uh, a, a, a suburban for for his runaround car with with the family, 
and I think he had a I think he had a, a Jaguar mm-hmm. for his uh, his nights out. Yeah, you'd have to have a Jag or or something like that. You know, so whenever we like when we went to California and and uh, I rented the Z twenty eight, he he had he had a, a small Mercedes. You yeah, know? right. Two very different coming from two very different angles. Yes, Probably why that band works so well. Uh, for the in, most in part, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right, right. Uh, so <clears throat> you then uh, you know you 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 start your solo career after Foreigner. You have a bunch of hits uh, in that. Uh, fast forward even further, you uh, create this band with your uh, brothers, um, the Lou Graham Band. Yes, uh, and I think Donnie uh, joined you back up for that. Yes, right? he did. Yes. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about that album? Because that album speaks to me, uh, speaks to Ray also. In fact, he's, I think you've got it. I got it right here. I think it's one of your best releases outside of Foreigner for sure. Thank you. Um, I, I, uh, I think I, I've, I've, I've been, uh, I gave my heart to the Lord. Uh, It must've been about, um, about 27 years ago. And, uh, I remember when it happened, uh, Foreigner had just played Madison's sold-out concert at Madison Square Garden, and, and it was a wonderful show. I think it was one of our best-sounding shows, and the audience was feverish. They were going crazy. It was a lot of fun. And uh, after the show, all the, all the people from Atlantic Records in New York were there, uh, all the, the musicians from who lived in New York were there, and uh, uh, we went out, and what started out as a, as a small dinner ended up uh, uh, drinking wine, and then and then then vodka and everything else. Pretty soon the the pot came out, and uh, you know, before you know it, it was back at back at somebody's apartment doing lines of cocaine, yeah. and and uh, and that continued on. Know, talking and talking, yep, 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 and and uh, it just, it just, I just kind of stopped and took a step back, even in my my frame of mind that, that I w- was was in, which was, and I knew I was not sober. I I realized that 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 it was all bullshit. Yeah. All every bit of it was bullshit. You know. Yeah. Everybody stroking each other and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Why don't we do an album together? Oh no. Oh yeah. We, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah right. Let's do that. that. Yada yeah. yada yada. You know. Oh, wouldn't this be great if we could do that? How about me being the other singer, me and Lou, and you yeah. know, right? And I'll bring in my sax player. Yeah. Uh, and, and, Probably oh, a lot of uh, imaginary super groups that potentially would have been formed. Yep. And uh, I remember uh, being dropped off at my hotel by a limo, and and uh, I got out and. Uh, somehow made it to my room and uh, I was I was so wrecked I think I think I don't remember ever being that wrecked and I got in the door double locked the door turned around I took two steps towards the bed and I fell on the floor and I started crying started crying and crying and I, and I I asked I told the Lord that this is not the kind of life I wanted to live this is not what my parents brought me up to be like I wouldn't want my wife or my kids ever to see me like this I've, I've done I've, I've been doing this for almost 20 years on and off and, and uh uh, I'm sick of it, uh, and I, I begged him to please take this evil from my life. <laughs> and uh, when I woke up the next morning, I was still on the floor, uh. and uh, I was supposed to catch, I think, a eight thirty or nine o'clock plane back to Rochester be with my family and instead I called my attorney who was, who was a friend of mine and uh, he was at the party and uh, 
first thing he said to me is, are you okay? And I said, no. He says, you were flying last night. I says, I know that, you know. I says, um, I says, I'm, I canceled my flight back home. I says, and I'd like you to do something for me. And he said, he said, yeah, sure, what? He says, there's a place called Hazleton in, in outside of Minneapolis. I says, it's a drug rehab place. I've read a lot of good things about it over the last few years. I says, I'd like you to call and, and try and get me admitted in there. I says, uh, I'm not fooling around trying to, to cut down or, or stop for three or four days, and then when I start up again, it's a, you know, it's a big blowout. You know, I says, uh, I, 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 I want to change my life. Uh, I says, uh, not only do I want to change it, I says, I have to change it, or, or, or I'm not going to be here too long. Hmm. So I, I went to Hazleton for. For two, 30 days. It's what's that? Four weeks? Yeah, four, mm -hmm, weeks. four weeks. Yeah, and uh, I, of course, I, I called my wife, after after I after I knew I was booked there, and told her that I wouldn't be flying home. That I was going to Hazleton, and she started crying. She was so happy for me. And I went there, and and I I got an incredible education. Uh, about what drugs and alcohol does t to your body and your mind and and they had uh, they had priests and pastors there and and I saw a pastor who, who I talked to for for a couple hours and uh, you know he told me what that stuff does to your soul also oh yeah so you write this uh you write this album, I guess, and that's uh, that's your, um, I guess, I'm reluctant to, it, it is Christian rock, but it's not Christian rock the way a lot of people think of Christian rock. I had a pastor once who said to me, the reason he doesn't like most Christian rock songs is that it sounds like it's a song about a girlfriend that's just replacing the girlfriend with Jesus. Um, and then, so you have those types of songs, and then you have, there's some other bands and they're, you know, they're, they're very good, but they're very technical. They're more of like a musician's type of band. But when you hear the first track on that album, it's got such bite. Uh, and I'm, I'd like to just play a, a snippet of it if I could. Sure. Um, this is the first track of, of that album. I won't, I just want to plug that in. What, what's the name of it? Just... Made to be Broken. Yeah, I, I had it. What a riff. There's such good grit in your voice in this album. It's. I let it go. I let it all go. Perfect. Yeah. You could feel it was like the floodgates, right? Just opened up. I just, I, I have to get to the hook. Uh it's the whole album's like this. It's fantastic, I mean, it's yeah. Really, really great. So, is this a, a one and done album? Are you going to write some more of this this type of stuff? Uh, is any of that in the future? I'm looking for number two for sure. I, I think I think there'll be there will be number two at some point soon. Beautiful. I did uh, I, I did hear that there are some. some old uh unreleased lou graham songs that we might be seeing yes there are uh we're working on those right now and and uh um we're, we're hoping that we don't have contractual issues with atlanta Rec atlantic records because those songs were written during my my solo uh album but but they they weren't on the record 
they weren't finished or or they weren't good enough then and and uh we had better songs so we put those on the album and those were kind of the ones that that were in limbo yeah so i thought i could i i could take a look at them and make them into something better than what they are and release them myself but apparently what which i found out anything you recorded while you were under contract to Atlantic belongs to them. They still own. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it was on an album or whether it's been sitting there for 30 years. Wow. It it, it, it has to be tough as a musician. You have this creativity inside you that wants to come out, but you have all this bureaucracy that surrounds it all. So nothing's just easy. (laughs) So, so I, I, I also, you know, my, 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 uh, percentage of 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 the royalties for for my solo albums was you know even though i even though i had had so much success with foreigner you you'd think that that they would give me a, a better royalty rate i i had the same royalty rate as as a guy off the street recording his first wow. album for atlantic records you know so so my, my my albums didn't even go gold but they did pretty good and when I'd see my royalty statement, it was, it was, what What's is this? this? What is this? By lunch, huh? <laughs> well, let, let me ask you, you know, in, I just would like to get this perspective from, from someone who was such a big influence in the rock genre for so many years. And in a time where people were buying vinyl, CDs, cassettes, and that's how you could make money. Um, where do you make the money these days? Is it all in touring? And now with COVID, you can't even do that. So I feel for these mostly, mostly in the writing. Yeah. So, so you're right because, uh, your songs just land on Spotify now. And I, am not even sure how the royalties work. It's very, very poor on Spotify. It's very, very poor. poor. The poorest of any of them, I think. Yeah. Uh, they're, 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 uh, um, not, not a very generous bunch. No, not at all. No, it's, but it's you know, here, but here's sure. the thing, and this is what a lot of non-musicians don't realize, uh, and a lot of kids don't realize these days because they listen to these songs. My, my kids know all of your songs because they've you know heard them on the radio. But you know, Ray and I were talking before you came, saying you know, back in the day, you got an album and you listened to it start to finish because the songs were in order for a reason. There was a whole cadence to how an That's album. That's exactly went. right. Yes. And now, if I even see the random or shuffle button, I freak out. But we're not doing anything on random or shuffle. Or the kids down, download two songs from, from this band, three songs yes. from that band. No. You know, it, it, I mean, it, it was so important to have the right running order. Of course. To the songs. That, that the last song on side one is, is a kick kick song that yep. makes you want to turn, turn, turn it over it and over. keep playing. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And we did have to turn it over. And I'm still a big vinyl guy, and I love the experience, dropping that needle on one side, opening up the vinyl or whatever's inside the lyric sheet, and just reading it as it plays through. And you have to pay attention because it is a needle going across, and you have to get up and flip it over so you're engaged in the whole process. And that just doesn't happen today. Like you said, it's it's all about the hit single and nothing else. The whole album could be crap. The rest that one song could hit, and nobody even listens to the rest of it. In fact, I think now artists are even putting out just singles there's not even record albums coming out anymore it's such That's a right. shame yeah. yeah well uh you know the songs that i was hoping to 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 work on and release would have been a three song ep uh uh but but putting it uh, online to, to be to be downloaded yep you know e- either any one of the songs or the three of them yeah well, I you know I just think the younger generation doesn't know the feeling of going to the record store, buying the album, or or even the cassette. You know, I, I had a Walkman glued to me uh, through my high school years, and you'd get the uh, the the cassette or the album, and you'd come home and you'd listen to the whole thing, and you'd you'd maybe you got lucky and the lyrics were written in there because you couldn't go on Google to find out what no. they were saying in the song. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, there was just something so special that, I mean, even for example, like you take the, um, the double vision, uh, album, uh, you know, you look at the album covers. I mean, they, they have a meaning, uh, what did we get in trouble for that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, did did you I know bet. about that? No, no. no. Yeah. We were wondering if you guys did it or if it was a you know promotion guy that did it. No, or it wasn't was... a pro- it was a was a um, uh, an album cover artist that that had done a number of very good album covers over the years and 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 wanted to do this and. And when we saw it, we, we saw it and we go, wow, that's great. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, just, it's, it's a girl in a boy's bathroom. You could see the urinals yeah. wiping her phone number off the yeah, wall. I love it. You know, <laughs> and, and, and we, we were told that it was pornographic that she was masturbating on the urinal. Oh, oh wow. And, 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 uh, and the Bible belt banned the album and they had pictures in the paper that we we saw eventually uh, of people burning, burning all records. their all their foreigner albums, a big bonfire, all their foreigner albums, and and then one at a time, big stations around the country refused to play anything by us, W WBBC in Boston, uh, all you know. So cancel culture was even happening back then. Huh? <laughs> yep, and and that album, you know, coming after as a seven time. Platinum Double Vision, uh, uh, Head Games barely sold a million albums. Because uh, of the controversy, you think? Yes, well, I know it was. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you speak in the book, or or you say in the book about uh, the going out on tour, playing your old hits, uh, some of which, you know, were well, like hot-blooded, some of these songs that have a little bit of a provocative nature to mm-hmm. them. And then also mixing those with your new songs uh, that have more of a Christian tone to them. Well, and, uh, let me let me interrupt. This is not with Foreigner, though. This is yes, my, this that's with you. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How um, how did you reconcile that? Uh, it's in the book, but if you could give us a little taste of that, I, I, I uh, would would preface these songs by by saying that that. Uh, that it, it's been in my heart to 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 write it write a write and record a, a Christian album. I, I says, I, I I said the Lord Lord has done so much for me, letting me survive a a, a brain tumor, which just about every other uh, uh, brain surgeon said said was not operable. And, and I says I. I came through that operation, I says, and, and the next six or seven years were a living hell for me. I says, but, but um, I think I'm back fairly close to 100%. Uh, I, um, I've dealt, I dealt with and I'm dealing with any shortcomings left from the operation, and I'm loving life again. Nice. So I'm curious, take us back to that time when you, when you in that hotel room, coming out of there, going into rehab and sobriety, meeting the pastor and really reconnecting with your faith, reconnecting with God, and then going out on tour again, eventually with foreigner. Was there any, um, spiritual battle going on inside you that Uh, was like, um, you know, they, they all knew that I came back from rehab and they were slapping me on the back saying, we're so glad you did that. Lou, you were so bad. You you were in such bad, you were in such bad shape, you know? And, And I'm thinking to myself, I'm in such bad shape. You know, I said, okay, thanks guys. appreciate that. You know, and, and, and so we'd play our shows and, and then we'd have to travel four or 500 miles to the next city on the bus. I had the, the back lounge, you know, the, the little area behind the back wheels. And then there were bunks and then there was the front lounge, which was big, had, had a stove and a refrigerator and a cool stereo and, and, and all that stuff. And that's where we used to play Euchre. Mm-hmm. And and crazy eights and all sorts of stuff, and, and we play a couple hands and then it was, no, yeah, you know, and and so, so we probably would we probably would leave the show we were playing at around, the show would end around a little after eleven. Then we then we'd go sell merchandise and sign things for the. That by the time we'd actually get in the bus and and head on the road for the next city, it was probably about one o'clock. Wow. Well, and, and the crew was still tearing down the equipment. Yeah. You know, so, so we'd be on the road six, seven hours sometimes, and we would be playing cards and, and smoking and, and snorting and, and drinking hard alcohol for the whole, the whole trip. And, and one at a time you'd, you'd see guys go, that's the last hand for me. 
And that after at some point though, everybody was clean on that on that on some tours, though, right? Or no? Did that not happen? Um, no. Um, you know, so 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 after 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 I gained sobriety, I stayed in the back lounge, and I knew that they were still playing up there, just like I used to play with them up there. Sure. And and. Uh, so, so when I had to use the restroom, the restroom was right across from where they were playing. And I go out there and, and I go, how's it going, guys? And they go, oh, good, Lou. We're having a lot of fun. Blah, 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 blah. And I'd come, out of the, I'd come out of the bathroom and, and, and they, they'd take me by the arm and bring me over to where they were. And I could, I could see the mirror with the, yeah. you know, and all that. And, 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 they, and again, they go, you know, we just want to tell you. How proud how proud we are of you for for doing that. That's great because we we were so worried that you were going to die. But here it is, right? Yeah. And, and and I I had I had some some pretty funky nights. Sure. But believe me, out of six people in the band, I was in the lower third of of the ones that were 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 really getting crazy. Wow. You know, but but they were so happy that that, that I straightened myself out, and, and and I said, and I told them as I was walking back to the back lounge again, looked over my shoulder. I says, "I'm waiting." <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So uh, I've been waiting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you oh, go. Yeah, there going. it is. <laughs> Acapella. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, so um, you know, I think that. This is why you're so highly revered by so many. You're a very humble person. You, you kept to your Rochester roots. You started here. You live here. You're a uh, a big member of the community. I think you've even made a joke that one day you might go get a job at Wegmans. <laughs> <laughs> that would be something to see. I will tell you. <laughs> um, and, you know, and uh, and this book really uh, tells it like it is. It's a great read. I recommend anybody out there to go grab that book. In fact, uh, the reason I bought out the shelf was that we are going to uh, ask Lou if he'll be so kind to autograph um, these books. And uh, I am going to uh, announce a winner from one of our listeners that we're going to give the book away to. Um, and, uh, and you know, whoever isn't so lucky will have to go out and buy it, but you can find it in, in your bookstore, find it online on, I'm sure on Amazon and all the other places. Can I, I can I, got... can I make an aside? Yeah. Uh, about three years ago, Foreigner had, had a reunion yes. show, 2017. Reunion show yep. with, with his new band and the original band. Yes. And, and, uh, I was obviously in the dressing room with the original band. And there was nobody drinking. That's awesome. Not Mick, not anybody. That's great. And I didn't say a word, but I was so thankful. That's awesome, yes. And it probably just creates a whole different dynamic, uh, a good dynamic. Well, uh, I I had no idea what the band was going to sound like. We only had one rehearsal. And here we were playing with the band that he had been playing with for four or five years now. Right. You know? And when we came on and played our songs from from the earlier albums, the band was killer. Oh yeah, you know, there's no sloppy mistakes. It was tight. You sounded great. The videos you can find them if you search for them. Uh, really, really good. Uh, really good performance. And and I was on top of the world. And I'm thinking to myself. This is what I always pictured the band right. sounding like. Well, I, I kicked myself two years ago. Uh, you played with uh, Donnie and our friend Dave Drum and Steve Bartolotta, uh at the Steel Rail Fest. Yes. And I didn't get a chance to get We didn't get, get a chance there to get day. there, yeah. That was, a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, of fun. they had a blast. I know they did. It's a big highlight of their life. So, um, Well, anyway, please check out the book. Uh, go buy Lou Graham's countless records, whether they're in Foreigner or... or his uh, solo career or the Lou Graham band, which was is uh, which is awesome, um, and let's just we'll end with kind of a couple quick rapid fire questions. Your favorite car ever? <laughs> I think my my '68 Camaro Supersport. And is that a car you still have now? Yes, it is. Okay. Nice. Never get rid of it. Oh, never. <laughs> Because if you sell it to me, I will use that line. Say, so, yeah, this this car was uh, <laughs> formerly owned by Lou Graham. <laughs> owned by Lou Graham, so it's doubled in price. <laughs> she sold it to me. Um, 
your favorite song to perform? Uh, Jukebox Hero. Aaron, you, I know this was killing you because you wanted to tell them your mom's favorite song. Yeah, my my mom's favorite song is Midnight Blue, and I told oh, her that geez, you were nice. coming in, and she was like all in her glory. So, <laughs> yeah, I love Midnight Blue. Yeah, uh, can I tell a quick story? Absolutely, you uh, can stay all day long. We'll keep going for the next hour if you want. <laughs> Where's this going to be heard, by the way? So this is this podcast uh, for our listeners uh, and for Lou is uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Everywhere podcasts are found, and we're also, with Lou's permission, going to be putting this up on uh, YouTube as a uh, video podcast as well. So, so there, there's probably a good chance that, that some of the foreigner guys may come across this and hear it. Sure. We hope so. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> I can try and hide it from them if you like. <laughs> hey, we can edit anything you like, so that's, that's fine. <laughs> You were going to tell a story, uh, I'm though. not going to tell it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, off air, we'll get that. <laughs> well, it, I, I mean, I just want to say, personally, Lou, I, I think, uh, you know, as growing up, like I said, knowing that you're from Rochester and the voice that you have is just is just golden. And the, the, the music you put out, uh, I've been a fan for a long time. Thank and you And knowing so much. that you're, you're, you know, you've, you've gone through sobriety, come to the faith, and putting out some great... Uh, Faith music is what I call it, and where you are today, I just thank God for that and thank you for that. So, thank you. I thank God for that too. Absolutely. Yes. Not a day goes by really. Thank yeah, you. Ray and I share that sentiment, and uh, you know, one a, a song that a lot of people I didn't even know this was a Lou Graham song, although I've heard it a million times because I love the movie. But "Lost in the Shadows" from from the Lost Boys. Yes. Yep. Yep. That is a great song. Thank you. But probably people don't reference that song as often as. As you would think, they you know, should. You know, uh, um, the producer of that song is Joel. Uh, the, the movie is Joel Schumacher. Yeah, and and uh, he he produced the song too, and, and the video for the song, and um, they they actually they came to me when the movie was almost finished and asked me to write a song for the movie, and then when they heard the song, they wanted it to be the title song. So. I will go as far as to say, and this is not to just, you know, uh, kiss butt here, but I don't think that that movie would be what it is today without that title song. Wow. Really, that, that is, I can't picture any other soundtrack playing over uh, that song. And, you, that, you know, you brought movie. up Shadow, and that's that's a band we didn't even touch on that you Sh- had. Shadow King. Shadow King was amazing. Vivian Campbell, if I remember yes. right correctly. Yeah. Uh, that is a great fantastic, album. Fantastic band. Great album. Yes. I love that album. And, so, yeah. and we were set to make the second album, and he got an offer to, to join Def Leppard. Def Leppard. And, and he, he basically just left. Yeah. And, and uh, he was such a name that... that couldn't even think about doing another album without him being part right. of it. So, well, that that album is stellar. So, well done on that one for Thanks. sure. That's H- one have you ever favorites. heard that? Oh yeah, a- and your rendition of "Stairway to Heaven" is uh, yes, <laughs> pretty awesome too. Thanks. I will say. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, that's a one off. Yeah, yeah. Check, there's a uh, I mean, right. check out everything that Lou has. He's it's all out there. You can find it. Um, uh, you get his albums. Uh, uh, Bob, is there a, a place where they can go to uh, get merchandise? LouGramOfficial.com. You, you can also uh, email me, Mark at UniversalImports.com or Aaron. If you have any questions for Lou, I'm sure uh, you'd be willing if I sent an email out, Bob, uh, to answer if someone had a question. Uh, I mean, I could I could keep you here all day and all night, but we we want to be respectful of your time. Um, and there's well, a lot more car stuff. We can I'll come back again another time and we'll pick up where we left off. That's perfect. Oh, I love, I love that. It. I love uh, it. Lou Graham, thank you so much for your graciousness. Really Thanks for having me. It. I enjoyed myself today. Thank you. God bless you, man. Ladies you and gentlemen, uh, look for Lou out at the car shows. Let's hope that the uh, this summer will be a little bit different. The pandemic will be behind us, let's hope. Yes. And, uh, and that we'll be able to enjoy cars and sunshine and uh, rock music. So, all right. Until next time, I'm Mark from Universal Imports, the Grease and Glamour podcast coming to you from 834 Linden Avenue, universalimports.com. The only name you need to know for car sales and service. And uh, check out our numerous other podcasts. And uh, thank you, Ray, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Aaron, for for being here. And uh, we'll see you next time. 